what makes you a bad person is not you making a mistake. It's not you doing something wrong. It's going to happen. Everybody does it. What makes you a bad person is after you've made that mistake, what actions do you take to take accountability for it and to make it right? Mm. And so for me, initially, I'm like, yes, he got coerced into doing this. Do I think he was scared and that's why he went in the store and did what he did? Yes. Mm -hmm. But him never doing anything to accept accountability for his actions and to try to make it right, to me, puts him in the category of closer to a monster. All right. And with that, we can begin our next episode of What We Watching. Um, how you guys? I guess we. I know you guys are feeling well today. Yeah, last last movie we uh, reviewed, we all enjoyed. Yeah. We had a good dissertation from Amari on the last one. <laughs> not, yes. not not one of his bad rants. Yeah. No, not at all. Like, and even for today, I you know I'm really I've come away. Maybe you know it's just. Current life events have really informed my viewing experiences. Yeah, okay, for sure, AJ. That's what I'm gonna say today. Before we uh we jump into that, we had an another topic. We kind of adapted the one that Zach um Zach gave us of when we had to pick our favorite Denzel movie, <laughs> and then in a true AJ fashion, I was like, let me give Gabe another tough question, <laughs> and I said we're gonna be we're gonna pick what uh movie we think. Quentin Tarantino is Quentin Tarantino's oh, best movie. Jesus we went with directors Christ. instead of actors. Pick Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with the movie where a lot of people die. Yeah, well, that's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I literally texted in the chat. I was like, hmm. <laughs> I wonder which one he's talking uh, about. So uh, thinking about it's not as hard as I I, I believed it to be. Pause. Yeah. But um, <laughs> where's the pause there? <laughs> It's not as hard as I believe. Oh, I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Believe it or not, it's not as hard. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, we discussed that I watched this movie every year. Yeah, I, know, I knew which one it was Yeah, it's Inglorious Bastards, which nice. is a complete masterclass yes. on tension. Yeah. Every single scene, like, the tension is ridiculous in every single scene. And as a person who absolutely despises captions, Mm-hmm. It's a movie that used captions very well and actually as a part of the storyline to like, you know, engage you in the story. So it's like super, super uh uh great way to use caption. Um, kinda like the same way, in my opinion, that, you know, we reviewed Sound of Metal, kinda like the same way they did with the sound yeah. design to kinda right. like put you in the shoes of the person who, you know, was losing their hearing. They did the same thing with captions here because they wanted to show like they, this person couldn't understand what they were talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they just knew they were in trouble, or or like. Yeah, but yeah, complete masterclass in intention. Um, but there's, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there's any of that I Tarantino films that I dislike. Right. So this, this is, it is an easy choice for me, but it's not an easy choice because I, I like all. I have of them. a follow up question that'll make it tougher. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. No, no, no. After, you have my after, attention. After. Uh, <laughs> After Omari goes and says his. Me. I think I know what his is going to be. Yeah, mine is Django Unchained. <laughs> it's, that's what I thought it was going to be. Too. It's just, it is. It, that's what it is. Um, I mean, as I've said before, Samuel Jackson's my favorite actor of all time. He's a chameleon to me, and I think 
he absolutely takes that shape-shifting talent to an, a, a whole other level in this film. And uh, that's probably the most mind-blowing part of it. And then, like you said, with Inglorious Bastards, with the performances there, we also get another uh, turn um, at watching the great Christoph Waltz, um, an incredible performer who's also very well decorated and he brings it in every film that he's in. The great Leonardo DiCaprio's in this film, the great Kerry Washington's in this film. I mean, everyone's bringing it. I think, um, who else we got in here? I mean, this cast is ridiculous. Um, uh, Jonah Hill with a hilarious scene um, as a Klansman. Uh, who else do we have in here? I mean, so many great performers. We also have, who is another underrated uh, guy, Walton Goggins, um, who played Billy Crash in the film. I think he's a, an underrated guy. But yeah, uh, Quentin's the ultimate what-if director to me uh, when it comes to his storytelling. And I just love this fantasy of sorts when it comes to the, the telling of Django. And um, yeah, it's just, it's what movie making is all about to me. Just like, like you said, when it comes to sound design, when it comes to just the way scenes are shot and the tension that's held in between them um, and the characters. Um, and, you know, Quentin is, um, some people criticize Quentin for maybe taking things a little too far or hyperbolizing things or, you know, fantasizing things a little overboard, but I think it's really to put certain things in your face. I mean, specifically with Django, we're talking about, I mean, maybe the darkest, you know, period in human history, really, um, that kind of built what we know today as the great Western world and that slavery. And so to see someone like Quentin take it and kind of form it into his own wonder world and create a, almost a superhero out of Django in a situation that's that those events will probably be unlikely and probably they, i mean not probably they were unlikely you weren't having you know a bunch of harry tubman's running around like this for real for real uh, it was a very difficult time and a very hard um you know thing to overcome uh when it came to what django had to deal with um but yeah i love this film so much and i watch it over and over and over again and um, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Foxx, like crazy enough, the, one of the great stories of Django Unchained is Will Smith t not taking the role of Django uh, because he said it's a very uh, well-documented interview. Him, Samuel Jackson's in there. I think it was a Hollywood uh, Foreign Press mm -hmm. or THR, I think, was doing it. Hollywood Reporter, they did like a roundtable. They do that every like award season. And Will, he was kind of trying to shit on the film and say that, you know, I, I like films that are about love and films that are about, like, triumph and this. And I just didn't feel like, you know. And it was like, mm, no. Samuel Jackson was like, you know, so I, I used to watch Cowboys and Indians. Like, I just <laughs> used to watch bullshit on screen or just, like, the fantastic on screen. And that's what, you know, film is to me. And that's what I come to watch when I watch Quentin Tarantino films. Um, and Jamie, it doesn't, he doesn't care like what the role is or how he's big it is. It, yeah. Like he's going to, you know, give it his all as well. So yeah, this whole cast is crazy. Quentin's in top form, like, and, uh, he tackles very difficult subject matter in a very unique way. I think that interview is pretty wild because if you're saying like you, you like the films that are about love, 
you shouldn't answer Tarantino's phone calls. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he yeah, he was like it was really strange. Yeah. yeah. And Will's his cho- he hasn't he's not always the best at choices when it comes to films. Let's Great be actor, honest. But doesn't always pick the best Yes, yeah. he doesn't doesn't necessarily pick all the best roles. But yeah, it was it, that was interesting. And I and I like how, you know, Jamie, whenever he approaches films, he, you know, kind of he just dives shows into a little it. bit more humility in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, it's not all about me, you know, like let me serve the story. Like, and everyone in this film, tons of big stars in this film, and everyone's just there to serve the characters, serve the the story at hand. So, did Leo win a? He was nominated. He was not. Yeah, uh, he was nominated. Yep, yep, he was nominated. He kills it in this role. You want to talk about tension, boy? Woo! A lot of great scenes with him in between him, Jamie, Sam. Incredible, incredible. Love Django. I think I know what AJ's is. Wait, what do you think mine is? It's either Kill Bill or Pulp Fiction. What? Neither Neither of those. Neither of those? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll take that back. (laughs) I I think it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That so I'm struggling right now because I can't like I can't choose. But I think it would it would be. I started even thinking about like what's my top three, but which is what I was going to ask you when I said I had a tougher question. But I think. I don't like honestly. I don't know because it could be it, it could be Jingle, it could be Inglorious Bastards, and like there's four that I feel like are could be his number one. But I but, think I'm gonna have to go with um with Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, well, smart man. Yeah, <laughs> smart man. <laughs> Just because uh and like hearing both of your like your guys's cases. I mean, I've I've talked to you about it plenty of times, but both of them is exactly the same thing I'm thinking about when I'm when I'm measuring those two up against each other, and. Jamie Foxx was a super bright star of that, and the Brad Pitt killed it in this one, and and I mean, and and Inglorious Bastards, and ever, I mean, right. it's one of they're both great films by him. So yeah. I don't, I can't even think. Like, right, this is why I like one over the, the same other. thing, addressing like a, a wild time period. Yeah. 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 Wild subject matter. And like talking about what you were talking about, where you're saying, like, oh, they say he takes it too far. I think what they hate him for is what they love him for. Like, that's all yes. great artists. Exactly. Like, right. exactly. They, 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 don't think inside the box, right? Like at all. Yeah, and um, part of that is like these people didn't even live back then. They don't know if it, like it. Obviously, some of the gory stuff is like real. Like you can tell that it's fake and stuff. Right, right. right. But a lot of that stuff probably happened. There definitely was people mm-hmm. talking, <laughs> talking mm-hmm. like that, and and being that way. So it's it's just that they don't want to look themselves in the mirror, or whatever. Or like look at America in the in the mirror in a way. Exactly. But um. <sighs> Top three, yeah. So, and I, I, I'm asking the question. I don't even think I can pick my top three because I mean, I'll, I'll start off with this way. There's with Tarantino movies. I feel like because they're so well done, and every part, even when you're watching, is memorable and purposeful. Right. So while as you're watching it, not that you can't rewatch them, but it's a definitely a different experience watching it after you've seen it because you know because there's always not one big thing. There's a bunch of twists and turns and and whatever, but there's always like a pinnacle. And once you know that pinnacle, it's like, all right, I, I like, I know the movie now, and yeah. you're never gonna forget how you got there, even yeah. if you've only seen the first. Time. I think, I think I could, I think I could probably list them in order of which ones. Yeah. I like. Because I, I, I actually thought once you said pick my favorite, at first I was like, oh, this is gonna be a daunting task. Yeah. But then once I started to think about, it, I was like, okay, so I think I would go in glorious could, bastards. Okay, wait. Well, I wanted to say something first. Oh, sorry. So because of that, um. I have a, I think I have a favorite movie or a, like a top three. Like the first time I watched this, this is how I felt after it. Versus 
after watching them all a bunch of times, mm-hmm. I kind of or I can know this one is better than or like I think right, I would order it this right, way. Right. And one that we def we didn't mention yet that's up there for me is Hateful Eight. Yeah, because because of and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does it's kind of similar in this way too. But um I'll talk about that in a second. But Hateful Eight, like the entire time, it, it builds tension just like new like um Inglorious Bastards, but you really don't you really don't go many places. Most of the stuff you're just hearing is is um is great writing and script, which is amazing. And one of the big reveals is like, oh, the people they're actually looking for is are under the floor. So like once you know that, it's like, okay. When I watch it the second time, I'm like, all right, I really I already know there's people under there and they're hearing all this and, and so on. So that's why it um I feel like not that people don't think it's that good, but it, it doesn't get it it's not up there with his like top three always in that that conversation. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I think that that might be one of my favorite first time I ever watched this movie I loved it or kind of like I can I can remember that but um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is also that and I like I mean it's it's one of his more recent films or I think it is his most recent film and he also I like that he plays on the reputation that he has in that movie one the entire story you know what like because it's a it's it was about Sharon Tate in a way, which I didn't find out till as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, okay, like this is this is what this is about, or is what he's doing with it. But you know that when you go to a Tarantino movie, there's gonna be blood, gore, fighting, killing, right? And you don't get that at any part until the, it reaches the pinnacle, when with the flamethrower, <laughs> flamethrower, and all that, mm-hmm. and, and then him taking what was it, a mushroom or acid or something, um, Brad Pitt. But um, he keeps teasing, and like, oh wait. They're gonna fight now, or this is gonna be a gory scene, like with the him, like Brad Pitt versus Bruce Lee, or just things in general. And you're like, are you, he keeps building you up, and then you don't get it. He's building you up, and then finally at the end, he gives you what you came came for, and it was done in a great way. So I kind I kind of like that one. I have more affinity for that one because you can definitely see him flexing. Like, all right, I know I got you guys by, <laughs> like, I got you guys locked in. Yeah. Um. So talking on what you're uh, what you refer to as um when you're talking about tension and him showing you that the person is underneath literally. So one of the greatest filmmakers of all time is Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and he has an interview where he talks about tension and Mm -hmm. he talks about how, um, tension isn't necessarily a surprise. So if in a movie, if you're watching this and then out of nowhere, this, uh, this bomb explodes from underneath this table. It catches you by surprise, but that's that surprise is only going to last for three seconds. Mm-hmm. But if you start the scene off showing people that there's a bomb underneath that table, everything that happens up until that bomb goes off, it's going to, because now you know what's going to, and Tarantino does that time yeah. and time again. And he did it in Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He did it in Django Unchained. Yep. He does it time and time again where he shows you, like, this, we're, we're going to get to this. Yeah. This thing that that's going to cause everything to go up in flames, we're going to get to this. Yeah. I'm showing you that. But now let's actually go through the process of getting, of getting there. there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so he sure. he he one hundred percent does that. But uh, going back to your question of my 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 top three, uh, I think I can list them in order: mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Pulp Fiction, for me. Mm-hmm. Four would be 
a, probably a tie between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kill Bill won. Yeah. Uh, is Jackie Brown? There's Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Kill Bill one. Reservoir Dogs. Jackie Brown. The remaining Kill Bills are my least favorite. Yeah. Word. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I didn't like Kill Bill that one that much. Well, it's just got a lot of iconic scenes in yeah. it, and it's like as a person who's into do. martial arts, yeah. yeah. Like, well, I mean, most, yeah, I guess it plays on a lot of the, uh, the, the thing, the, the stuff that, the stereotypes that people believe about martial arts. Yeah. It plays on a lot of those, right. and then um, just seeing Vivica Fox <laughs> in her prime in all her glory, yes, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Absolutely, sweet baby Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely, people forget but, yeah, she was but, like a movie star at a co- at a good moment. Like she was getting a lot of hot roles. Yeah, like, Vivica was like that in, we, during those days. And before I forget the the tension you're talking about, the that Alfred Hitchcock was talking about, I like that the bomb going off was like this is a Tarantino film in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It wasn't mm-hmm. obviously you knew like how the Sharon Tate story ended up, so that was like a running theme. But it's also like. I know this is a Tarantino film, and he used that as the ten- as part of the tension. Not only like all right, what I'm writing is the tension, or like you know what's coming, but also like hey, you guys are coming to see. I know exactly what you guys are coming to see. Mm-hmm. Right. That that's the bomb. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna keep you under under tension the entire time. So that's right. why I like. And he gave that well, movie he gave you a little a little. Because because the, yeah, the guy fought Bruce Lee, yeah, and, he keeps and then like, he fights like, on a ranch, <laughs> yeah, and then he like, but he he gets to the point where like. It's about to go full right, Tarantino, full and then he just like, nope. Exactly, that's it. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, we the gang went to go watch this together, so yeah. we were in the theater like, all right, we know. We, at yeah. some point, just we like, know. When it, when <laughs> we like, right when it's about to happen, we know. Like, yeah, <laughs> we know. And then as soon as that, that can gets thrown, we lose it. Yeah. The entire theater. The entire <laughs> 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 They keep teasing, like, what do I need a flame for? And he right. just throws it in the garage, like, yeah, mm-hmm. there it is, and and that's what's so great about it. It's like these it, it, the, the films, all of his films are carried by these incredible ensemble casts. Like they help carry you through these, you know, in, amazing scenes and you know just ridiculous plot points and like just like amazing. I mean, Django again, going back to Django, like you, you're just your mind is blown about how he's able to bring what he brings out of these performers. Uh, even in The Hateful Eight, like, when you see that cast, you're like, damn, like, this is, like, all time. Like, when you bring people together like that, like, it's mm-hmm. amazing. And especially, yeah. I love his, I love directors who have a, a certain rapport or connection with certain actors. So, obviously, again, going back to Samuel Jackson, like, whenever he brings him on board, I'm like, well, there it goes. <laughs> there it goes. Another legendary insertion by Quentin Tarantino because him and Sam, like, <laughs> They always okay. Please, yeah. Please, please, me. please Gabe. <laughs> he said legendary insertion. Legendary insertion. A legendary. I don't know what else. Whatever. Okay, but look. Okay, you're gonna have to speak like a fourth grade. I know. Legendary. He did a good job. He did. <laughs> I really like. He was great. I liked it. Bye. Like yo. Freaking Channing Tatum, Kurt Russell, Bruce Dern. Like, come on, man. Like, you I love Quentin, man. There was a there was a big rumor at one point that he was going to direct his own 
um, Star Trek film. And I was, I don't know if you guys had heard of that rumor, but I had gotten really, really excited. And I wanted yeah, to, to see happen what he did with it. so bad. <clears throat> I think that's kind of like, because, you know, he, he always says that he has like a certain amount of films that he wants to do. Yeah, At was one it point 10? he said it was like 10. I feel like he'll just go until he goes. But I think in his head, he's just like, well, let me just get to 10 first. And I'll see how I feel about 10. Right. I feel like if he had gotten to 10 and just wanted to finish it, I feel like a sci-fi film would be the last thing he needed to do. That would automatically would... go to my least favorite. Yeah. You think so? Oh, he doesn't I like sci-fi. I don't like sci-fi. Yeah. I think Even Quint- you mentioning Star Quint- Trek. Quentin would make you like it is what I'm saying. Like, I think he would bring a new level Well, if you watch it. it, yeah, I feel like it depends. Like, not even a new level, but if he just went... Off like, the wall. Just imagine the wall Quentin, Quentin full-fledged Tarantino. Yeah, Quentin yeah. over a hundred like, million dollars to make a sci-fi adventure film. I just, I, it would I, be your favorite sci-fi film. Probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. You would definitely, and it might like you. It might make you want to watch some other sci-fi shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the same with Quentin. Like, I wasn't really into westerns like that for real until I watched Quentin Tarantino shit. I was like, okay, let me tap into some more westerns. You know what I'm saying? Let me tap into more. You know. um, you know the other genres that he's he's dived into more period pieces you know so you know you never know you know i think quentin's a good he's a good gateway into some other other <laughs> good gateway filmmaker <laughs> gateway filmmaker was so what's your top three did you see him? uh i did not my top oh okay. yeah he sidetracked that question no i i i'd probably go uh django hateful eight and uh pulp um, yeah, yeah. I'd go again. I told you guys in the past. John Travolta to me is another yeah. one of those folks you get in front of the screen, and he's going to bring it. I love him as well. So he's he's definitely another one. And then Uma, another one of his you know his faves. You know she's she's epic in that as well. And uh, yeah, those other Kill Bills, they they. Mm-mm. But yeah, that first one I I look back at you know fondly. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. So for my my, my three, I'm just gonna pick my three favorite, not ones I think like all right, these were the best movies because then I kind of it um makes me like not fumble, but I, like I'm not mess it up. I like I have a deeper argument with myself, <laughs> and then I end up just like not picking anything. But uh, I would say Once Upon a Time, not in any particular, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hateful Eight, and in Django. But you just said your favorite was Inglorious Bastards. When I yeah, when I was saying that was my favorite, I think that's his best. Ah, uh, gotcha, 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 yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. To, to be able to to pick one, like I was saying when I was, uh, started, I was gotcha, like, gotcha, I'm gotcha. going back between three. I have to say like, all right, I think this is his best film. Gotcha, and gotcha, gotcha. I think like I would put that one at, at four or tied with at the three spot, and just with which ones I like the most in general. But yeah. Yeah, and Glorious Bastards is like, it's to me, it's, mm-hmm. it's Shawshank level good. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, so it's gonna be hard to right. to beat. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. We love Quint. But good question, AJ. Yeah, good With question. that, we can uh, we can move into the movie of this week. Ooh. This is gonna be a fun one to to talk about. It is. It um also, Gabe. Did you know this is a book? I didn't. Did you book really? No, I didn't know that. You went to, yeah, I had to read it for school. Did you really? Yeah, that's why I was like, wait, this is. Yeah, no, I I feel like we were all in the same curriculum, but yeah, right, I know. Yeah, I went to a couple private schools. Oh, true, true, true. We were well. I went to one. I went. I went three different high schools. We read very uh, European material. Yeah. (laughs) 
But no, yeah, like this was. <laughs> I can't even remember what <laughs> curriculum or where I was when I read it. It might have been middle school. <laughs> but <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> oh man! But word, I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> Yeah. All the required reading was, hmm, there's a theme here. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, <laughs> 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 a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the same energy in a lot of this material. Okay. But yeah, so the book, I liked the book a lot when I was, like, I used to be, like, not really like when we were forced to read something, we had required Facts, material. Yeah, yeah. But this one, I was like, okay, like, I I didn't mind cracking open the book and reading, like, two pages a night or whatever we had to do. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then I didn't even, one thing that I guess... I mean, this is probably going into it, but I'll just say before, since I mentioned it was a book, is that I didn't realize it was a book until after I'd watched it and I was doing, like, I was taking my notes and stuff and I was like, oh, this was kind of, there was some parallels between it. And that, I'll, I'll go into that later because that kind of goes into, like, my critique. Yeah. But um, this movie's about a kid who was arrested for uh, murder. He's been implicated as a, an accomplice in a murder. And um, which technically probably should have been a manslaughter <laughs> because it was accidental. It wasn't even the, the whatever, but that's that's not that's beside the point. And it's just taking you through um, his case over over like a year or so and him being in jail. And as a good kid from a good family going to a private school that just gets caught up with the wrong people on the wrong day or around the wrong people on the wrong day. And um and just a situation and just him trying to the it take the movie takes you through the entire trial up into the verdict and um basically him trying to fight and his lawyer and team trying to fight the narrative of black men automatically being uh, assumed to be guilty and being monsters when they're charged or in the courtroom yeah that was good that was a really good uh synopsis sir think so yeah, appreciate it. Like Did that. you practice that in the mirror? Mm-hmm. I didn't. I just, <laughs> I just kind of okay. freestyled okay. for a second. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Like Growing a little bit. <clears throat> but um, Gabe, what did you uh, what did you think about? This so this movie was a trigger for me. Yeah. So it wasn't. This is what I mean when I say like I'm tired of watching movies about like black trauma. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it was a trigger. I think it's be, and it's like the timeliness of it, I guess, of when I'm seeing it, because mm-hmm. I don't even know when it came out, but the timeliness of when I'm seeing it, like, uh, spoiler, um, like, he actually did do what they were accusing him of doing, but right. he gets off right. from doing it. And I don't think that, like, that's kind of like us putting out there, like, well, some of you do do crimes. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're assuming you guys are monsters. And some of you actually are, so we shouldn't just let you get get away with it, yeah. Because you're so because yeah. you're black, yeah. and to me, I feel like the timeliness of that kind of just didn't it it did not help me as far as like me being able to receive the movie well. Like mm-hmm. I like that stuck out like a sore thumb with me because like I was watching and it kind of pissed me off because I was watching the movie and I'm like, okay, I kind of see where this is going. Like they have him structured to be like. It's one of those things where it's like 
you have the 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 guys who are like they're in gangs, they carry themselves a certain kind of way, they're mm-hmm. known around the neighborhood of being a certain kind of way. And you have him being the polar opposite of being like the clean cut, mm-hmm. go innocent. to private school, innocent, intelligent, etc. And um so it kinda is like, well, they they just rope him in with everybody else just because he's black. Yeah. So I kinda was understanding that and then kinda like his parents not believing him, people around him not believing him. Um, all that kind of was like, okay, you know, I'm feeling this, like, you know, like I said, more black trauma. So it was a, it, it, it was making me, uh, it was giving me some attachment to the character. Mm -hmm. And then when they showed that he actually did commit, um, the crime and then lied about it on the stand, I'm like, it just pissed me off. Cause I'm like, yo. So, and with that, I think like, I don't, not that I don't. I think that part is up is up for interpretation because I think the base like the theme of the entire thing the underlying theme or one of them obviously it's just more than one but um was that the truth is like everyone has their own truth every right. every point of view experiences every event differently right. so the the way that he felt and he was experiencing it was different than what ASAP Rocky's character thought and it was experienced and Jarrell Jerome's character and the white lady who walked in, it was every point of view is different. And when also when you're in court, when you're law, you have to tell your truth. You can't tell or not like if you try to trip up and say and try to give not not a non biased view or something, but if you like, this happened to me with I when I was um like I didn't go to like <laughs> I I got called and was accused of hitting someone's car and I said no I don't I don't think I hit anyone's car knowing I didn't but I was just like oh yeah I don't I don't think I did or that it couldn't have been rather than definite definitely saying no it wasn't me or no I didn't hit the car and I still like the insurance is like oh because you said it this way then we don't we just have to go with a person's word and it was it was someone accused me of hitting a parked car at like a Taco Bell and it was no one saw it. Fucking Taco Bell. Someone was just like, "Oh," or someone saw it and just told the person at the front that, "Hey, this per- someone hit someone hit your car. Or it was this car that hit your car." Which is kind of like, "All right, then it was probably that person." <laughs> and the way I was driving, there was no way I possibly could have hit that car because it was a one way one way um, street, and I had to go. I had to have been going the other way, and my car flipped around going against on way onward traffic at Taco Bell like at 12 a.m. when it's packed, and and yeah. So you can't, but, you kind of have to just tell you, like, it be super. But what part is open, when you say it's open for interpretation, what part are you referring to? So, well, I think what. Because he, he for was, sure lies. So he, when he says what? So they ask him, did he um, ever speak with, uh, Denzel, what's Denzel's real life son name? John David Washington. John David Washington. Yeah, His yeah. character. Bubba. They ask him, did he ever speak to him before, be, or has he ever seen him before? Um, before this, he said he saw he's seen him, but he's never spoke to him. They in the scene they show that he literally talks to him right before he goes in. They ask he him. He said he said he didn't speak to him often, or doesn't. No, that's wait, a, wait. that's that's the that's um not ASAP Rocky's character, the the guy who played Chris Wise and won an Oscar in uh oh Gerald Jerome. They ask him did he oh yeah talk to him? Uh, yeah. He yeah, said yeah. he didn't speak to him often. 
I thought no, I thought he was saying that about John David Washington's character. No, I thought no. he said that about both. Or he no. was yeah, like, I thought so he was they asked him. They asked him. They asked him. The part that he told the truth about was not knowing what they were going in there to do. Yeah, right. But everything else, has he uh, met him before? He said on one occasion. That was his second time meeting him. Did he talk to him before going into the the? Oh, uh, the so. Yeah, did he talk to him before going into the he store? He only met him one. They only showed us him meeting him one nope, time. Before. He they showed him meeting him one. They showed him meeting him the time before they went into the store. It was at night. He met him. He said, "This my boy." Yada yada yada. He said, "Hey, what's up?" And then he ran it. He they ran into them again in the daytime before he went into the store. Oh yeah, so I would yeah. count that as one time. Like but I no, think that's the thing is too. Yeah. No, what, what, but he what, didn't really speak to him. Wait, though. hold on. Right. So he he came across. Um, John David Washington character twice. Yeah, no, one time did. at night, mm-hmm. and then right before going into the store, where he actually spoke to both of them. Then he was instructed to go into the store, look around, and give them a sign if if everything was all right. Mm-hmm. They asked him, "Did was he told to do that?" He said no. They asked him, "Did he come out and give them a sign?" He said no. When he did, yeah. They asked him, so like there was. Well, it looked like. The best lies yeah. are partial truths. Right. right. So he gave partial truths, which was he was looking at the light when he came out. He mm-hmm. did look at the light. Did he know what they were going to go in there and do? He didn't know what they were going to go in there and do. Right. He, you know what I'm saying? He, he, and then the lady, his lawyer was coaching him on how to, how to answer, how to answer, right. give him partial, right. like basically you're telling, you're. Just don't give r- more information. Which yeah, is kind of what I was give. trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah right. But my, my, what I was saying was like, he was lying. Yeah, and then even afterwards, he was talking about how he was carrying around the guilt. Mm-hmm. Right. So he knew that he played a part in this guy, this this store owner's like losing his life. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever. And to me, like I said, it was just like the timeliness of this is like I get it. Yes, you. To me, like hearing monster and them spending this whole time saying don't assume everybody is a monster, yeah. and then at the end. Him being a part of it makes it seem like, well, maybe you should assume everybody is a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That's the part that, like I said, is a trigger for me. And that's mm-hmm. what made it was like, in, if if blind eye, I would have been like, oh, so some somebody who's racist wrote this. Yeah. Right. Like, that's how I, I would have felt about it at the end. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that, Gabe. I mean, it's definitely a little flip when you're kind of like, oh. Well, I mean, we spent this whole time learning about this character, falling in love with this character, really. Again, like I said, he comes off as a very I mean, and 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 it's tricky when when you use the word monster in this context because even still him being coached to essentially lie, which he does lie while also telling the truth, you learn about him and his family and his background and you're like is he a monster? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, is he responsible for right. this crime? Is like, he a monster? Like, did he walk into the store and, you know, shoot this man and kill this man in cold blood? Like, no, that's not what happened here. I think there are a number of elements in a lot of these types of cases that you have to take into account. Um, but yes, I, I, I do agree with you where it's like, there is a little disappointing part there where it's like, well, I mean, he was, you know, a, a big part of this situation. You know, he was a, a huge accessory 
to to this crime that was committed. Whether it's um, intentional or not. Yeah. Exactly. Whether it's intentional or not, like you were there. And um yeah, I, I did like though how his attorney at the time who who was she was incredible. Like she yeah. killed that. Facts. She killed that. I like how she she went back because the 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 opposing attorney was definitely trying to get in that thing really easily, like trying to be like, well, you clearly know these guys. Like you know who they are. Mm-hmm. You you have to be homies. Like boom, boom, boom. She was like, do they know your parents? Have you get, been to this with them? Have you done this with them? Do they know your last name? And it was like, no, no, no. And it's like, okay, we can't say that he sat in a room before this all took place to concoct a plan to go in there and carry out the crime. You know what I mean? And I think, again, going back to the monster title and the word being used very heavily in the film, I will say, no, his character is not a monster. But I think the environment um, definitely gives way to monstrous activity that (laughs) may include some monsters. Uh, but him, he 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 was not one of them. He was not one of them. And it gets in that tricky, almost like OJ-esque territory where it's like <laughs> we see this a lot of times on the other side where, you know, people of another complexion are given the tools to game the system when it comes to the court of law. And to see a character that is of our skin color come out of this, not saying that it was right. But to see him be able to get through a situation that he he happened upon, he fell into unnecessarily, and his innocence definitely got the best of him, and his 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 yeah. gullibleness, and you know, I, I think that overall the film is trying to. There are a couple of things the film's trying to say, but I think overall, I think the idea was, you know, these type of situations situations happen a lot and i think the hammer that's put down on some of these young men particularly young black men is a very very strong hammer um that would you know be more necessary for someone who was an actual like murderer or or, or murderer or monster per se as it you know relates to this film so i don't uh part of me i'm like 50 50 on is he a monster or not and reason being is because um, my my uh, dad talks about this all the time. Like, what what makes you a bad person is not you making a mistake. It's not you doing something wrong. It's gonna happen. Everybody does it. What makes you a bad person? What and whether it's unintentional or intentional. What makes you a bad person is after you've made that mistake. What actions do you take to take accountability for it and to make it right? Mm. And so for me, initially, I'm like, yes, he got coerced into doing this. Do I think he was scared and that's why he went in the store and did what he did? Yes. Do I think that he was, you know, throughout the throughout the movie, like his him being him being fearful of these groups of people is causing him to be put into uncomfortable situations. So I do think him being afraid is actually what sent him into the store. Mm -hmm. But him never doing anything to accept accountability for his actions and to try to make it right, to me, puts him in the category of closer to a monster. Because now it's like, okay, if, if I accidentally crashed into another car, let's say I'm texting and driving, I accidentally crashed into another car and someone in that car happens to pass away, God forbid, does it make me a monster that I was texting and driving? 
No, I was, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I did something wrong. Yeah. But you didn't, if, intend, you didn't intend to kill anyone. Either. I didn't yeah. intend. Yeah, yeah. But me covering it up and being like, no, I didn't do, I didn't do anything wrong. I have right. nothing to do with that. That person lost their life. That's on them. And like, you know, after the situation, like I just get off scot-free. I never accept accountability. I never do anything to make it right. That to me is like on the monster side because yeah he's feeling guilt right now but over time like that guilt is going to get either for some people it gets harder to deal with and for some people it gets easier to deal with and yeah to me that kind of puts him in that category of being a monster yeah yeah and i and i can see that and i think there i feel like they try and make him you know, pay for it a little bit with his short stint <laughs> in the slammer, mm-hmm. um, with a very you know interesting cameo that I wasn't expecting. This I didn't, um, yeah. I didn't look at the cast for, I didn't look at the full cast for this one before I watched, and so it was kind of like when I had seen like a little Easter eggs, watched back, like, yeah, yeah, when I had watched back Life and I seen Heavy D and shit, and I was like, oh shit, and I was like Nas, <laughs> I was like, what's Nas doing in this? Okay, that's cool. And then even Jarrell, I didn't realize Jarrell was in this. I didn't even realize John was in John, uh, David. John David Washington was in this um so um yeah pretty cool on that front but yeah i think that small little dip and taste of incarceration for him i feel like the storytellers were trying to make that his moment to be like this is what it could be if you was really a monster if like you was really you know the man behind the gun or the weapon or the man behind the plan you i think part of it's like you fucked up like you you didn't do the right thing and I think it's like it was kind of like a wake up call thing for him where it was like, you are supposed to be on the other end of this, but you're going to get away from this t- today. Today, you're going to win today, even though you shouldn't. But you're going to take away something to pass on and, and with the knowledge that this system, one, is not made for you. Two, there is a way to game this system that others before you that don't look like you have done before. And three, you now you know what a monster is for real. See, but still, like, to me, he... I'm not saying that he should have snitched. I'm not saying that he should have, like, done something that would have sent him to, to prison for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he... I think, like... I mean, at the end of the film, like I said, he was feeling guilty, so he didn't. But... There was no person that he was honest with. When his family came to see him, he didn't tell them the truth. He didn't tell his lawyer the truth, who no matter what he tells them is their job to get him off. Mm -hmm. Like he could have told them the the God honest truth. Hey, yes, I did this, but I didn't know what they were getting ready to do. I was walking home. They happened to see me. They called me over. I'm afraid of these dudes because of their reputation. They sent me in the store to do X, Y, and Z. I did it and I walked away. I didn't even know what happened afterwards until you guys, you know what I'm saying? So they arrest my Even Even that you know what I'm saying? Like at one, even at some point, yeah. At some, yeah. Even even that at some point to anyone to to someone who's literally legally can't even tell anybody else yeah. lets me know like, 
okay, you understand what it is that you did. You understand that what you did was wrong. And yes, it is an unfair predicament to be put into, but at least you're reflecting on the fact that this is wrong, et cetera. He didn't do that anywhere. His parents showed up. They're not believing him and they're not believing him because parents can tell when you're lying. Mm -hmm. And he was lying. He wasn't giving them the full truth. Both of his parents knew he was lying. He didn't do it with his lawyer. He didn't do it with anyone at any point in the film. So to me, I think that's the part that's like, like I said, at a certain point, you're going to lie to yourself enough where you're going to be able to believe that lie. And that right. guilt is going to start to wither away. Right. And, you know, whether he wants to accept it or not, he's partially responsible for that guy losing his life. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And it's it's a, it's one of those tricky situations because the attorney was even saying, like, yo, like, you can give this guy 25 to life. Like, come on, he's never committed a crime in his life. Like, he's, you know, they, they bring the teacher to the stand and he was like, I, I, I would trust this kid with anything. And, you know, he's an incredible storyteller and that speaks to the character of it, of, of this young man. And, you know, uh, there is, like you said, there is an unfairness to the situation. Like he is, you know, he has created a, not a full relationship, but a, a sliver of a relationship with gangsters, like with dangerous individuals. And he found himself in a very difficult situation where it's like, Okay, do I do what these these niggas tell me what to do, and you know, you know, let them go through what they're whatever they're gonna do, or say no and face the consequences of that side of the stick? So it's like it's a it's a mixture of the environment that he's in, you know, the the forces that that pounce in via the system, you know, to you know crack down on the law and order, and then just overall, you know. Again, that innocence, like him just not understanding fully what was happening, you know, around him. Um, yeah. So it's like, again, like I, I, I totally get what you're saying, um, though, about like, you know, you didn't really go in there and, and, and tell the full truth. And one of the big themes of the, you know, the entire film was, hey, tell your truth, tell your side. Of truth. And he yeah. didn't do And he did not do that. You he, know, no, so. he, but he told his truth. It may not have been like. The truth, but like yeah. even in that situation, I'm imagining him being like, "Am I responsible? Do I feel I'm responsible for this murder?" And being no, okay, this is the story I need to tell because right. I don't, right. I'm not a monster. I'm not this murder. I'm not these people who I'm in here experiencing with. Nas is in here telling me I'm not them. <laughs> I'm not them either. <laughs> but like, so he has to, for him to even believe his own that story because. I mean, I've, I'm I'm sure that we've struggled, but you, he's struggling with. All right, there is a way that I'm somehow responsible, or I played a part in this. But am I guilty of murder? Right. And it's him telling his story of, hey, I'm not guilty of murder. Right. And that's what I think the the underlying the underlying theme was like. I needed for me like to even when he was in film class, he's like, oh, I'm just seeing. I'm just giving or his um teacher's critic. Or critique was you just you take really good images and like part and whatever you're showing me is nice but what's the actual story what's the actual story yeah and, and i think it's like all right i know i'm this person or I, I, i'm this person and not a murderer i have to tell my story and tell people so yes i have to lie to my parents not even lie but just tell my story that way to my parents to everyone so that the the outcome that I'm I'm trying to get gets there or whatever like he 
I don't know. Yeah, and and it's like he is arrested. They said you're under arrest for the murder of you know whatever the gentleman's right. name was. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Now that's not necessarily what situation yeah, exactly. was. You know, knee jerk reaction that, is I'm not a murderer. Right. It's like yeah, like, this I didn't me, murder so. him, and I'm not a part of. The, I'm not, you know, the the main accessory to his death. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to even say that. It's like, it, it's, and it's almost like there's a, it's a game, you know, and that's part. That's one of the biggest things. That's one that of the conundrums. Was in the illuminated movie. in yeah. the film. It's just like there is a way to there is a certain way to approach, you know, the court of law and and the the law, um, period, and just the the overall system and the structure that surrounds, um, you know, legislation in our country. Um, so it, it's a very interesting film. Um, again, yeah, from the actual story perspective, it um, it definitely gets you thinking when it comes to, you know, I mean, we see this type of thing, you know, weekly almost, it seems like. Um, and, you know, this definitely peels the curtain to see, you know, how things really go down. Um, but, yeah, it, it still is kind of troubling trying to figure out where to sit on you know, you know, where do you sit on, on the case? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, some positive things about the film uh-huh. <laughs> was I liked the way it was photographed. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I liked the cinematography and I actually, I like the photographs that they like, you know, he's he a photographer. Taking, yeah. yeah. Um, so I like that. Um, it does keep your attention. Like I said, I was following it mm-hmm. to the, to the end. It does keep your attention. Um, it was just up until the ending when I got pissed, but it, mm-hmm. it does keep your um, attention. For the most part, I liked everyone's performance. I uh, I did not like uh, the pro- the prosecutor's performance, the lawyer. The yeah, with the glasses. He was a little od to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he he he, be t- he uh, this the one scene where he's talking and he's like, yeah, and this is why we're here today. He's a monster. Yeah, <laughs> he's a monster. <laughs> and I, I was like, wait, is this actually happening, or are they, yeah. are they exaggerating? So right. it's how he feels, kind right. of. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I was like, oh. Who was your underrated okay. um, actor? Your, um, your number one, P. Oh, uh, 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 Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Giamatti. I think he would have been a good, a good yeah, actor. Yeah, Gia- Giamatti would have killed that. He would have killed that for yeah. sure. He might have won the case though, so I'm glad he. Right. <laughs> he was not. Oh yeah, Paul Giamatti would have him. Locked he definitely would have won. The oh case. yeah, he would have been locked up. But um, yeah. So that, that's some that's some um some bright spots. I like most of the performances. I like the cinematography. I like the photographs that were in it. Um, the cast, mm-hmm. like, crazy. like yeah, that's, the cast is kind of ridiculous when you think about yeah. it. Um, the cast is crazy, um, but yeah, I mean, so just that, just the optics. The if I was to describe the movie, like to give like not even a synopsis, like if they're like, oh, how does the movie kind of end? Like, what's it about? How does it kind of end? I have to literally literally say. Oh, it's about four dudes who are about to go to prison for murder. Three of them actually end up in jail. The fourth one doesn't end up in jail, but he kind of did have involvement with it. But he gets off by lying. Yeah, that's your your two minutes and after that's how that's how bad that's it sounds to me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And that's basically it. But but I mean, it's you get movies where like that's part of that's part of it. You you're you still have a conundrum at the end of it. You're still like. Yeah. All right, where do I kind of sit and on And I this? mean, a part of me, like with many real-life cases, a part of me thought he was going to get the guilty verdict. Right. You know what I mean? I, there was a part of me, I was like, he might, they might send his ass back. 
Um, but and and that was its own like tension pull and and kind of playing with the emotions there because it was like you know even with the George Floyd verdict, it was just like oh like is is what I think going to happen or maybe supposed to happen going to happen? Um, and um, again, there it's just kind of like the unfairness of it all. Like his his portion of the situation did it deserve twenty five to life? Or whatever the uh, whatever the sentence was going to be, no, mm-hmm. no, you know, like he did not deserve the sentence of a full blown murderer, um, and that's what he was going to get. That was the goal, yeah, you no, know, and that was the, the picture max. that the attorney was trying to paint. He was trying to paint him like he, this young man, he goes to school to learn how to tell stories, guys. He's lying to your face. Like, he is evil. You don't know him for real. You don't know the type of human being that he is for real. He's this, he's that. Monster, monster, monster. And it's like, that's not exactly what it is. And and I think the other issue, too, it's the, it's the, 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 the myriad of layers to the black experience as well it's it's interesting seeing these mostly white attorneys there is the one black attorney who's trying to you know put his two cents in but it's interesting seeing a mostly predominantly white perspective try to put a view you know a bird's eye view into the black experience again going back to these gangsters like even with asap's character who by the way asap does a really good job Mm -hmm. in the film um, he definitely brings that Harlem out and brings some authenticity to his his role. But his character does Kelvin, who also does very well in the film. <laughs> Kelvin's character does create a sort of relationship with ASAP's character. And there's a part of a there's a humanity aspect that we learn from from ASAP, not so much from John Davis' character, Bobo. But there's that, again, that tug and and that push and pull between you know, creating that bond with another brother, trusting the the trust story that that the older gentleman was was telling them about the tiger, um, which I I'm interested to get you guys' opinion on that. I had to watch that back a couple of times; it was kind of confusing me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just so many there's so many different layers, you know, to being black in America that I don't think one sentence or or one you know trial or you know one verdict can completely judge or measure. Um, and so again, you know, over the having the umbrella over us being a, a system that's not designed for us, it's difficult to try and say as a, for a matter of fact who a human being is, particularly a black human being, you know, under you know the circumstances. I mean, even still in in our current society, we don't see eye eye. We don't you know have you know a lot of sim. You know, we we experience a lot of different things than than a, a white person in America or even a Hispanic person in America or a, an Asian person. We are still experiencing a lot of different things at the same time, and there's still a lot of misunderstanding there. So I think they do do a good job in the film trying to say, like, there's a lot of shit that happened behind this that just one guilty or non-guilty verdict it's not going to completely. It's, it's not going to be able fulfill, to. Be able yeah, to it's measure. not going to completely measure it. And they it's open not, it talking yeah, like that too. You, There's no gray area in the exactly, court of law. exactly. And yeah, yeah. So it's 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 hairy. It's really weird. It's really really weird. I will say the director does a phenomenal job. I mean, taking us through this shit. I mean, going back and forth, cutting between past and present. The narration from Kelvin's character was really great. 
um, brought a lot of um, levity and at times a lot of heaviness to, you know, the different scenes that we were cutting in and out of. Um, interesting, this is his very first directing, yeah. you know, project for a feature length film. I mm-hmm. went back and looked at his past work and he's worked on like tons of like iconic music videos. One being one of J- Jennifer Hudson's music videos, which I thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, he's worked on 16 Rihanna music videos and we all know Rihanna. She don't put no bullshit out. <laughs> um, she started with Unfaithful in 08, ended with Diamonds in 2012. So that's She's... how he learned how to capture beauty. <laughs> exactly. In somewhere. blackness. I mean, he's done, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's done like two, three Beyonce music videos. Like he's literally worked with everybody in the music, um, music video world. Um, and so, yeah, he definitely, you know, he leaves no stone unturned when it comes to, um, you know, trying to probably how he got this this crazy cast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even, even with Jennifer Hudson, I was a little iffy because, you know, sometimes you have certain actors, specifically again, black performers who get that Oscar, who get that screen actors guild or that Emmy or whatever the case, sometimes the, the work kind of goes down a little bit. I thought her one-on-one with Kelvin's character was very, very strong. Mm-hmm. And she definitely showed why she got her Oscar in that scene for me. Um, and I would love to see her, you know, kind of flex her chops in some more quality work in the future. But, um, yeah, man, overall, it was a very um, – I definitely didn't feel one way or another at the end. There, Like you said, AJ, I like how you said, like, gray area. I felt just kind of like, hmm. That was that was that was an experience. Um, yeah, the film was was a gray area. Yep. The courtroom was black and white. Yep. Yep. And so it gets you. It just kind of gets you thinking about you know the the ins and outs of again. It's a system. It's a system point blank, and you know he won that day, but um, you know as we know that that doesn't happen for everyone. Yeah. So parts I, I liked about it, I generally liked the movie. Um, I think not that like some of it felt rushed. I felt like especially after realizing, oh, this was a book and knowing and, re- and re- I don't recall the book like as as well as I probably did when I was younger. But um, I know there was parts missing or pl- places they could have delved into deeper and, and stuff like that. But I feel like parts of it were rushed. You got. I wanted to see the family dynamic a little more, like him mm-hmm. and his dad. Because I mean, also just in general, more from the Jeffrey cast. Right, there's more from the cast in general because man. the cast was amazing. Yeah. Um, I think ASAP did a a really good job, but at certain points, which is probably the script, like I feel like every single word he was using was just stringing slang words together, and I'm like, all right, I feel like black people don't always talk like this. <laughs> like no matter where you are, it felt like he was just trying to say every like slang word possible but in general i think he did a good job too um i kind of like seeing him and stuff he was in dope also he was decent um right right right. but i i would want to see this as like especially knowing the book as a mini series almost like maybe six or four just so you can delve deeper into you get the main character you get more about him but most of the te- most of the other things is just glimpses of the other characters and other people they introduce it's like they introduce Gerald jerome and then they take him and John David Washington's in there for like two seconds and then he's back out. And you're like, wait, hold on. The the dad, Jennifer Hudson and, and Wright, um, two great actors. I want to see them as parents more, you know, or a little bit more and right. just like that that dynamic more. Um but yeah, that I think that'd be my only criticism. 
but yeah, I, I like I appreciate that there still was gray area at the end of the movie, and that a black and white decision was made, but you still have, to have a feeling of gray gray area in the end. I like sometimes open ended um, <laughs> open ended films are leave you up to how you interpret or how, what you want to take from it. All right. Yeah, I guess the that that positive outlook on the ending would be that, um, as we all know, we get a thirty three percent harsher uh, punishment for crimes in in this country as mm-hmm. black men, and so the guy kind of like going for the gusto and telling her like, "No, nah, I'm going for twenty five to life on him," and she's like, and she tells him like, "No, you need to come down on that right. because he's not like them." Mm-hmm. Like him doing that. Cost him nothing. Like yeah. he, that means he got nothing in the end. Instead of getting some, you know, some sort of accountability, he got nothing in the end. So I can kind of see that as like a, a a positive outlook on it. Is like, all right, well, sometimes you 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 OD, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The system like goes out to OD on these situations yeah, and absolutely. and when they're not supposed to. Like like you said, like I don't think that he should have. To be honest with you, I don't think he should have done any. Uh, uh, prison time just yeah. in my personal opinion i don't think he should have done any prison time but uh as a person just don't like that he just didn't take accountability in any yeah, of the, all, yeah. yeah any of the uh those uh situations yeah and i feel like if it like going back to my <laughs> making this a mini series if you had that you would have gotten more out of all of the characters and especially him yep but yeah and i think and in that he might have had that come not come to jesus moment but like all right i'm accepting it i just like I had to tell my story so to make yeah. sure that this dude didn't put me away for life. And, and it's just like there's so many aspects um, of the court system of just like the overall like there's so many chilling moments where it's just like it's, this is just another day of at work for some of these people. I mean, the very first day uh, for the trial, I mean, the judge is talking to the attorneys like, oh, how was your weekend? Like, oh, I went to the Hamptons. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. The characters are all sitting there like everyone's looking like their life okay, is on the line. Literally, <laughs> my life is on the line. And you're talking about what you had for lunch yesterday at your Sunday, you know, w- function and it's just like that's how it is like it's just like a boom 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 like the attorneys are talking to you like here's what i think you should do but hey whatever i don't know it's like (laughs) okay like you know this literally like even what his attorney said like you know what you say in the next you know couple of hours is going to determine if you will be able to you know enjoy the rest of your youth like straight up like so here's what we need to do you know what i mean like i've got the tools i've been in the game for a minute and i know what you can do to get by so you know it's it's a lot of commentary on just like you know the shittiness of our system um again the the multi-layeredness of the black experience and the misunderstandings of that, but at the same time, it's like the system the system created these things. <laughs> so it's just kind of like it's almost like a slap in the face where it's like, you know, here this kid is in, you know, Harlem, you know, in the boroughs, and he's being thrown all these elements that were essentially planted, you know, there to destroy him, you know. A lot of these things and forces that are coming at him the gangster life you know trying to maintain you know relationships growing up as a black man period in this environment it's like all these things are happening to him at once and are there to destroy him and put him in this exact he's exactly where he's supposed to be the system is doing its job and for once he's given the, a, a black a young black man's given the tools to win 
again, like I guess OJ may be a bad, <laughs> it's a bad comp, but at the same time, it's like there's so many instances where you know black men take a fat L in the courtroom. You know what I mean? And are you know the the hammer goes down and they lose their life right there, right then and there. A black family is completely severed and destroyed right there for things that people didn't do. I mean, there are Black Panthers in jail right now, right now, for with unnecessary charges, unnecessary verdicts, lies, mistruths from the other side. I mean, you can go, you can go down the list of people who are sitting in jail right now for things they didn't do. You know what I'm saying? Things, you know, the hammer went down. I don't know what's up with me in this hammer thing, but it is really a hammer that goes down yeah, and, and completely the destroys these lives. Like, you know, it happens every day, you know? So it, there's a lot of commentary there. There's a lot of commentary on, you know, what we deal with, you know, in our society today. Yeah. All right, we can go in the, into rating them. I guess. I, I think one more thing oh, I want to say. One more thing that I, I had wrote down in my notes I really like the soundtrack of this film. I actually had a couple Shazam moments where I had to figure out, like, what is this music? And yeah. there was one artist, I didn't even know his name's Novel, and he had a song called A Sickness that was in the film that I really enjoyed. I really liked the the um, the Persuaders' um, soulful um, song, Thin Line Between Love and Hate, when he gets arrested. Um and, you know, they're running out of the house and the police aren't telling them anything. And just like, I like that in the background. Um, and then Blood Orange. I don't know if you guys have heard of Blood Orange. Mm -hmm. Super, super dope. I yeah, totally they, forgot their song Charcoal Baby was on there. I was like, <laughs> what? This song sounds familiar. Um, so that was dope. And then, of course, the ASAP Mob had to get their little thing in there with Ferg. I heard that in the background as well. Um, new level. So that was really, on, on to bring a little levity to the end here, I, I really enjoyed on top of the great direction and, and editing and cinematography, I enjoyed the way the music flowed through the film as well. So you want to give your rating? Ooh, this is a tough one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to give this an eight. I'm going to give this an eight. Um, I think as a film, this kind of goes almost to like the Nomadland thing. This is a very well-directed film. Very, um, the performances in the film are excellent. Um, yes, there is some shadiness in the story. There is. At the end, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, the wool's, you know, taken over your eyes or put over. I forget what the analogy or this phrase is, but it, there is a little trick in the end where you're kind of like, hmm, that, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. I thought he really had no involvement in this for real. Um, but then you have to keep in the back of your mind what we're dealing what with. What was at stake? What was you know, what was at stake again right. What was at stake, what we're dealing with, and then the overall societal, you know, shell that this is encompassing that's encompassed. Um and so I I I give it you know that eight because you know you have to give it its its merit as as a film structurally, it's written very well. Um, it it puts you in the courtroom for real, and and it it gives you a lot of um, you know just real moments. Um, I like the way it felt and the way it was lit and the colors exactly. they used when they're in the courtroom. It was very different from from the way the rest of the film was the courtroom and when he was in jail and 
even in the meeting rooms of talking, everything was like very black and white or like pale or right. Yeah, I love no, the, no real color, no I, real life. I, I, I love the variety of blackness. I loved the the darker skinned girlfriend with natural hair and with goals, and you know she does have confidence, but it's not overtly you know arrogant or you know snappy. Like there was a lot of great authenticity here. That again, you are shown the black experience in a very real way that's confronted by a very sinister and dark system. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to look at it at a number of ways and you have to put a lot into account. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it, I'm going to give it that eight. Eight. Yeah. Okay. So for me, I would go with six. Six. Um, I told you guys before that six means that I would give it another shot. Mm -hmm. uh, probably for me, like I said on the first watch, it was definitely a trigger. So removing my uh, personal feelings from it, I would probably try to go back and like watch it again yeah. and try to just like watch it as a, a film without any type of like personal attachment to it. So that's my reasoning for giving it a six. Not saying that it's like... Uh, a bad film or anything, but I don't think I at on my first watch that I could remove my personal my personal feelings from it. Yeah. Um with the taste that left in your mouth basically. E Whoa. Um Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, I I go with a six. Yeah. Um I'm I was at eight, I'm eight, seven and a half. Only reason I would go down to seven and a half is because I felt like it could have been explored a lot more. Yeah. But just knowing knowing it from knowing more about the story, I guess, since it was kind of adapted from the from a book. But even still, just as watching the movie, like I said before, with the cast and, and the story, like, hey, I want more from this person. I want more from, I wanted more from it, which is why I would, I'm between eight and a half, seven, I mean, seven and a half, eight. Yeah. Did it go more into his thought process following the verdict in the book? I'm not, I don't really remember the end as as well, but I do remember like, there being more interaction with the family and mm. just more interaction with the character that Nas played, mm, because if I'm you sure, if you yeah. didn't know if you didn't know that that there was that character, Nas kind of just seems like randomly put in there and almost yeah. like if you think about other movies like he could have been him hallucinating yeah. <laughs> like like he could have just been like someone yeah. who was his actual conscious or something in there kind of reminding him like hey you're not us or you're not those people in here right. in, in a way like hey this like i'm your future self in a way almost right yeah. now i have wisdom like i'm also not supposed to be in here i'm kind of this cooler not so loud not screaming like they were they were portraying all the rest of the inmates to be screaming and crazy and guards um being a certain way but if you didn't like if you didn't know that he had an actual relationship with this person or, or like a an og i guess when yeah. he was in jail that 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 character was seem random, which is why I'm like, all right, I kind of would like want more from from this. Yeah, and I kind of feel like my hindsight 2020 was like looking back at the film was like multiple instances, like that being one of them. Like I kind of got that that same sense, like I you you could be me type of thing from mm -hmm. Nas's character, and mm -hmm. it's kind of like when I say hindsight 2020, it's like looking at the opportunities he could have had to take accountability, and it's like what if one of the opportunities what if he did tell Nas like what really happened mm. and Nas was like listen I understand but you can't go in there and say that yeah 
I would have been okay with that. If he, you know, um, there's been plenty of films where like the lawyers getting ready to prep this person to go on the stand and they crack them before they go on the stand. Like their lawyer cracks them to prepare them before going on the stand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought like she was going to crack them uh, or whatever, but she didn't. And then once I realized like, okay, well, he gets away with it. It kind of like made that scene make sense because it's like, Okay, he's really good at like withholding information, yeah, or right. whatever. Because he, you know, he did it with her. He did it on the stand. But hindsight twenty twenty is like if she was able to like crack him and he revealed to her what really happened, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Okay, I hear that, but that's not a twenty five to life mistake, yeah, mm-hmm. or whatever." You know that type of thing. So I think I kind of agree with you. Like if there were more time, if this was in a series, like. It even gives him more opportunities to, to do, do that. that, like amongst his family, amongst his lawyer, amongst um, Nas's character, mm-hmm. or even, or even like if there was a situation where he ends up crossing paths with any of the other three that were involved, and and he kind of was like pissed at them for making him be involved in the situation that resulted in this. Yeah, you get what right. I'm saying? It's kind of like listen, I would. He kind of gets pissed nothing. at them in a silo, but yeah, yeah, like you know what I'm saying. So like, because then he could say like like. You guys forced me to be a part of this. Some guy's dead now because of yeah. this situation that we all did. And mm-hmm. I didn't know this was going to happen. You guys did. Like, I shouldn't even be here type of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That to me is like, okay, he's accepting his, okay, his part knows. in it. Yeah. yeah. He's accepting his part in it. But I agree. Like, I don't think, like I said, he, I don't think he should have took the L and went to jail for 25 yeah. to life. Like, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. But I would have liked. And, I mean... I think you notice about me. I'm big on that, like accepting accountability yeah, yeah. no matter what. Well, so, I, yeah, I'm the same <laughs> so yeah, I, I, but yeah, I agree. I think that's, I, I would like to see it as a series or even like a little bit longer yeah. of a film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, 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 it could have used a little bit more payoff there for audience members who were kind of waiting for like that. It, it's almost like they want you to think that the, like the final moment for you to be like, ah, oh, like when he gets off, like, yay. You know, but everyone's not, I'm sure, a lot of the audience and, and the viewers ha- did not respond in that way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it could have used a little bit more time to even, even at the end, just kind of sit with him a little bit more. Yeah. Or, and just kind of, un, you know, un, unravel some of that some a, more. A big part of it for me was, um, with Wanting More, was we never even got to see the film he was making. Right, like, I would have, right, even at the end, it right. was the last thing that left you off with, yeah. like, because... They played up the relationship with him and ASAP Rocky, even right. though it wasn't super personal. It was, yeah. and it was a, a relationship, and most of it was through the camera mm-hmm. and him documenting stuff. Yep. So to see at the end, like I thought that may have even been brought up in the case, like, hey, right, look, yeah. he's saying he's not this person. I'm like, all right, just wait for them to to pull this video up yeah. with all this material they have or whatever, and it never came up. And even if they just at the end wrapped it up and said like, "Hey, this is a film he he made or something," just like to to send the movie off even after you find out what happened on the actual day, which is also kind of that same kind of feeling. Right. It would have been um. It would have been good. I, I was at. I was like, "Damn, I didn't even get to see the film." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a dope I really, photographer. Yeah. He's doing yeah. all this cool film stuff. But, Facts. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. This was an interesting one. I think. Let me see if I have anything else. Let me check my damn notes. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it was a good pick, though, because like you said, like, uh, I too like those films where it kind of is like, 
you don't know how you're supposed to feel at the end. It's like a conundrum. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. I too like those films. But like I said, I feel like the timeliness of this. Yeah. It's just like. Well, right. it came, I mean, yeah. I mean, the timeliness of it. It came out in 2018. It premiered at Sundance. Yeah. But that's it what just I'm got. Yeah. yeah. Like me saying it. That's why I said it at the beginning. I was like, yeah, I didn't watch it when it first came out. I'm right. watching it now. But sadly, even in think... 2018, I mean, that shit was yeah. incredibly right, timely right, right. And, and fucking triggering. Um. But this book is, is even older because I mean I read it I think in yeah, like middle, so school, so. middle school. Wow, <laughs> middle school or wow. early. I mean these, crazy these types of things have been going on for sure. Right, right, <laughs> for, yeah. I mean for, for quite point, a bit of time. Literally, it's super, yeah. super still, it's, still super relevant. Exactly, and that's also part of it. It's like this could happen at any point in literally human history, and when it comes to American same thing law, same thing with life. Also, the movie yep, life we just life too on last podcast. Yep, exactly. Um, I guess my last note is just like, all right, this is cool and all. I hope some of these actors can get a break. I mean, Jarrell Jerome, Kelvin Harrison. I mean, every film I watch these brothers in, they always in some bullshit. They always getting their ass whooped. They're always with fucking up with the law. Yeah. Like, can we get them frolicking through a forest or some shit in the next <laughs> film? Like, please. Like, his neck. I actually, funny enough, I just started this series called Startup on Netflix. Netflix, I believe they brought they bought this series from Crackle. Um, I think it was an old defunct streaming service. I'm not sure, but they bought they they have the rights to this series. It's three seasons, and um, Kelvin Harrison is in this series, and he plays the son of a Haitian gangster in Little Haiti here in Miami. And the gangster he gets together with a Cuban. Um, she's a daughter of immigrants. Cuban, um, she basically is a, um, what do you call it, um, like data, what's the word? Like she's good with computers. She's good with computers basically. And she's oh, able okay. to create, what do you, how, when you create. Oh, shit. coding. Coding. She's a coder. Yeah. She's a Cuban coder. Uh, and then you have a businessman who's in finance. They come together basically to create a cryptocurrency. This was like, this is like three, four years old. Funny enough, yeah. now that all this crypto shit's happening now with Bitcoin and Dogecoin, um, Dogecoin to the moon. Um, yeah, but Kelvin Harrison plays a son, and he is just getting his ass whooped in this in this show. Like, he he kills people. Well, I guess maybe if you want to watch the show. I don't want to spoil it, but he gets into a lot of bullshit. And I'm just like, damn, between Jarrell Jerome and Kelvin Harrison, can they get a break? Like, Marvel, somebody, give them something cool. <laughs> Fun or fantastical to do because this is just, I mean, I don't know how many more black, I don't know how much black trauma porn they can do, guys. I don't know. That's kind of like what they were saying about Taraji for the longest. There was like all yeah. the movies she was getting for the longest. She yelling she, at somebody. She, she's just distressed. She yelling at yeah. somebody. She's slapping somebody's man. Like, I don't know. Yeah, she chasing after her nigga. Like, I don't know. I mean, at least John David Washington, he gets a little bit of something to do every now and then. Jeffrey Wright, he's on a great show on, what's that, HBO. You know Jennifer Hudson. She's usually singing in her. In her she's, usually singing. <laughs> she's usually singing a show tune or some shit. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. Overall, hey, this was an interesting one. Um, definitely kind of leaves you thinking about a lot of the things that we deal with in today's society. Yep. And on that note, it's yeah. been another episode of What We Watching. What We Watching. What number episode is this? This would be eight. Eight. Yeah. Would be eight. Dang. So next two is gonna be nine and ten. Two months of two months of podcast. Wow, it's lit. It's litty. Omari didn't do the finger guns. We can't end until he does the finger guns. <laughs> 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 <laughs>